This is crime scene investigator Chris G leading you under the police tape and into a crime scene. Join me as we discuss the ever-changing world of forensic science. Put on your PPE, ready your fingerprint brushes and experience the drama of a crime scene. Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast, The Crime Scene Investigator. My name is Chris G and it's really good to have you on board. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm just about to hit the milestone of 10,000 downloads, which is massive. I never thought in a million years that so many people would download this show. Uh, it was just basically me having a little uh, a little ramble about what I do and maybe some people would find it interesting, particularly those that are, say, getting into the field say at university or just people that are generally curious about it but I never thought that uh, I get 10,000 people downloading my my podcast or 10,000 downloads it might just be my mum for all I know downloading this 10,000 times so if you're listening mum thank you <laughs> you're helping with my statistics or just knocking them all out of track anyway today I'm going to talk about bloodstain pattern analysis it's a subject of mine that I absolutely love um I studied it whilst I was doing some training to become a crime scene investigator and it just really really piqued my interest. I think it's because it's so visual and there's so much knowledge you can gain from just something that you can just quite simply see in front of you and it just fascinated me and I just ended up studying it ever since. Um, I've been lucky enough to go over to the Netherlands Forensic Institute and do some learning with them and their team over there. They've got a fantastic setup, the Netherlands, and I was just in awe of how they treat their their crime scenes, and the kind of yeah, the setup that they've got there is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, and then I've done some training over here in uh, the UK, and that's with a company called Spattered, um, and that was with Joe Millington and Gillian Leake. Um, both Joe and Gillian are just out of this world when it comes to their knowledge they just um oh they are just fantastic experts that we've got over here in the UK some really really great cases that both of them have worked on and uh, they've really helped progress some uh, some pretty horrific crime scenes in court and uh, led to the, the the right convictions so well done to them both and thank you for training me um those years ago uh, so I thought I'd maybe start um, with a little uh, little topic, a little discussion about what is bloodstain pattern analysis. Uh, some of you may have an idea or a um, an opinion about bloodstain pattern analysis that you may have gained from TV shows such as Dexter, Silent Witness, CSI. Other people may not know what bloodstain pattern analysis is. So basically, in a nutshell... Bloodstain pattern analysis is the uh, study of distribution, size or shape of the bloodstains that have been deposited on a surface within a crime scene or on a person and it's the study of those to determine the events that have led to the blood being shed. So how has that blood been deposited on that surface? What are the events that have been caused to lead to that? And could that information once gained be beneficial in a courtroom? So say, for example, if you've got a suspect that is saying that something occurred this way, you may analyse the bloodstains at the scene and think, well, there's no way that that could have happened because this is what I'm seeing and this is how I'm interpreting the bloodstains. Um, 
BPA, bloodstain pattern analysis for short, I'll refer to it as BPA from now on, um, basically can be subjective. So one person can think one thing and then another expert can th think something else. What you have to make sure you do as an expert is make sure you consider various arguments before you um, give off your opinion. Um, it's not quite simply, you know, like this is someone's fingerprint, this is someone's DNA, although DNA isn't always 100%. And I think there's probably cases as well where fingerprints are, aren't always completely reliable as you've probably seen there's a couple of cases in in the news historically that uh, has led to that I've just contradicted myself <laughs> this is what happens when you have a podcast with only one person you end up arguing with yourself um, but yeah it can be BPA when used right it can be a fantastic tool for a courtroom um, so that is my opinion of what BPA is um, Common misconceptions about bloodstain pattern analysis uh, do tend to occur, and this can be through TV shows. Um, one common misconception, and if ever I'm to give evidence on bloodstain pattern analysis, what I need to do for the jury is demonstrate how blood behaves. Um, if you, and I recommend you do this um, not when you're driving. If you listen to this while you're driving, please don't do this. But what you, what I recommend you do is grab your phone, type in the word blood, and see what emoji comes up. Um, I've just done it, and there's a little tear-shaped emoji that's red that appears. Now, this tear shape is quite misleading, because when blood is travelling through the air, it forms a spherical shape, not a teardrop shape. And I think what a lot of people feel or think um, is that when blood say drips it forms this teardrop shape and it retains that shape when it's in in mid-flight and basically this this just doesn't happen the the blood once it breaks away from what it's dripping from it will form that spherical shape and it will travel through the air in that sphere so when it's deposited onto a surface the shape that you then see if it's not a severe shape then it means that it has been altered in some way because of how it's come into contact with with that surface for example and this is really hard <laughs> because this is a podcast and you don't have <laughs> like I don't have any visual aids it's really tricky it's like me um, teaching you BPA whilst blindfolded it's really tricky but for example if you get a blood stain that falls to the floor um, there's no sort of uh, motion or anything like that that you've made you've just got say a blood that's dripping off the end of your finger and then it falls to the floor the floor is completely flat so it's struck the floor at a 90 degree angle you're probably going to get a nice circular shape a blood drop um, everyone's seen this this kind of stain yeah it's just a nice round round stain however same scenario, blood's dripping from your finger, it's travelling down and your surface is at a 45 degree angle. Then that blood stain is going to react very differently. It's going to kind of what we call look elliptical, so like an oval shape, um, and it won't be completely, completely round. It will still have round features to it, but it won't be that complete spherical shape that you would have if it struck it at 90 degrees. 
Um, so why is this important? Well, it's important because when a blood stain strikes a surface, if it's not completely spherical, then you know that that blood stain hasn't struck it at a 90 degree angle. Perhaps it has traveled through the air and it's gone upwards onto a surface. And then you'd be able to tell by the, the shape of that, that stain. It may be that um, the blood has gone up and then it's reached its maximum velocity and then gravity's taken taken hold and now the blood stain's traveling down and as it's traveling down it struck a surface so it, it could be that you've got the same event that has occurred that blood to be airborne but yet you might have some stains that are at their maximum velocity when they're striking a surface some other stains from this blood shed event which are now becoming gravity induced so gravity is pulling down these stains so you could have two blood stains from the same event that are hitting it at different angles um, and this is why I'm sorry I'm going to ruin Dexter in this podcast for you but this is why when you're doing that stringing that you see on, on telly uh, where you take a load of string you measure up the blood stains and the angles that they've hit you may have some that just are way off and go not into that area of origin that you're looking for. Um, whenever I've watched Dexter, all his blood stains that he interprets from like a, a wall or something like that, they all end up in that same area of origin back to, I think he uses a stick or something like that I've seen him use. It all ends up to this and you think there may be some stains which don't do that because they're not a true kind of representation of of that blood stain in general. And with the stringing technique, this is done by Pythagoras' theorem. Now this has probably triggered a few memories for you because you would have remembered, uh, or you may not remember, you may, depends how interesting your maths teacher was, but you may remember Pythagoras' theorem from school. Now, for those of you that are kind of, it's a bit cloudy as to what Pythagoras' theorem is, uh, do you remember you've got those triangles? You've got a triangle that's at a 90 degree, uh, one of the angles is at 90 degrees, and you've got to work out the, the, the other angles, and you'll have, you know, the, is it the sine, cosine, and tan? You've got those special kind of scientific calculators that you work out these on. Um, if you bring up your phone, and I've done this uh, various times, I've got an iPhone, so I'll bring up my calculator. I've just got that standard calculator with the, the numbers and that. If you turn your calculator sideways, it becomes a scientific ca calculator. And then you've got the sine, cosine, and tangent, um, as well as all the numbers. Uh, and we would use a an equation to work out the angle at which a bloodstain has struck a surface. And then once we know that that uh, angle, um, we can then draw some string from the uh, from the stain to a fixed point, which then becomes your area of origin. So where you've got all these angles, uh, all these bits of string, they should, if you've done it correctly, form one point where the the the, the string intersects one another, and that's where your blood chain event, uh, sorry, your bloodshed event occurred from. We don't really do this at crime scenes all that much, and I've never seen it done other than in a training room or uh, on television, because it takes so, so long to do. 
uh, each blood stain that you're then going to to do this for, yeah, it it can be hours upon hours of uh, of processes, especially if you've got multiple sort of blood stains that are from different events, and you could probably guess the area of origin roughly. Um, it's not going to progress your case all that much unless I think you've got an argument over say self-defense whether or not someone was say stood up or they were sort of crouched down if we knew this when we were going in then maybe it would become crucial so those are the common misconceptions of BPA um, so what patterns of blood stains will I see at a crime scene now we've got, uh, I'd say, three main categories, so three main headings of patterns, and then as you dive further into these headings, we can kind of split them up into sort of individual characteristics of, of BPA. Um, your main kind of headings that you've got are spatter patterns. So these are patterns that have been airborne due to force. So that force could be quite simply me flicking blood off my hand or it could be someone say punching someone that's covered in blood uh, it could be someone that yeah strikes someone with a weapon or the, the blood flicking off a weapon so these kind of stains that we see we would classify under the spatter um, category not splattered we don't use the word splatter that is something that you do when you miss the toilet bowl <laughs> so spatter is what we refer to uh, passive are stains that have traveled through the air through no means of force so these are just say gravity induced and sorry passive not just through the air but it could be that you'll get a pool of blood that is just kind of ejecting out of someone um, or it could be that yeah there's already blood on a surface and it's flowed down due to gravity um, Passive are basically where there's been no force to the blood ejecting from that person or being distributed onto that surface. Um, no force, say, other than gravity. And then you've got transfer stains. So transfer stains, um, these are quite easy to visualize. You've got blood on your hands, you leave it on a surface, that's a transfer stain. Um, it could also be that uh, there's already blood on a surface and you swipe your hand through it, that again would be a transfer stain. Um, transfer stains are basically um, stains where a blood-bearing surface has come into contact with a surface or a surface, vice versa, a surface has come into contact with a blood-bearing surface. Um, transfer patterns and sort of spatter passive patterns um, tend to look a bit different so transfer will be quite different because they won't all the time necessarily be spherical I don't think I've ever seen a spherical transfer pattern they are kind of like chaotic sometimes if you've got like rushed movement within a scene it may be that you've got hair swipes where like long hair might be bloodied um, these would kind of be your, yeah, your, your common transfer patterns that you would see and like I said they they wouldn't be spherical um, so that's how you can determine them from your other stains so if we take the spatter category and break it down uh, you've got stains like impact patterns impact patterns tend to form that v-shape where they go up and out um, a 
good way for me to get you to visualize this is if you splash in a puddle the water goes up and outwards um, you'll probably notice this now when you uh, when you splash in paddles in puddles so if I was to uh, stamp in blood the similar sort of thing would happen uh, the blood would go up and outwards in that kind of v-shaped pattern um, so when you do see these at uh, at crime scenes you can kind of look and see that yeah this is an impact pattern it doesn't necessarily mean that someone has struck your your victim um, and that's kind of what I what I would always say to sort of the more inexperienced CSIs is that you associate the word impact with you know that that striking action someone punching someone hitting someone with a baseball bat or, or something like that when actually it could be just someone stepping in blood um, when I was watching the Netflix show The Staircase, um, I think the BPA expert was talking about all these, all these bloodstains that were up the the staircase wall and everything. And I was just thinking, well, this could simply happen by someone just stepping in blood. It could be an impact pattern. Yes, it could, it could be someone striking someone, but it could also be this. And this is where you need to go back to that mindset of you need <laughs> you need to have that argument with yourself as to what else could it be. Um, expirated patterns which are what we refer to when someone's got blood in their mouth um, and spits it out it could be that someone's got a nosebleed and it's going through their airway if it's kind of coming into their mouth or it's coming up through their lungs and they need to spit and eject it out uh, this gives a very similar pattern to to say impact patterns uh, you'll, you'll get that v-shape but there may be some differences in that pattern um, such as air bubbles where it's mixed with mucus um, and these air bubbles will be very small but, but present within those within those blood stains that have been uh, distributed onto your surface or it may be that where the I hope you're not eating your dinner by the way but it may be where the blood mixes with mucus that it can't break up and that's when you get say two stains that are stuck together with what we call stringing and it's where this mucus has just made the blood more viscous, more thick, and they can't break apart. Um, so it's very, it kind of these little minute details that will separate an impact pattern from an expirated pattern. Um, another pattern that falls under the uh, the spatter category is cast off. And again, what I say to people is, if you see a cast off pattern, don't think that that cast off pattern has come off a weapon. So basically a cast off pattern is when you get blood that is flung onto a surface through like a moving object. This can happen a lot with weapons if you get weapons sort of striking into blood um, and you'll get kind of a linear pattern that's across your, your surface. Um, but of course this could also happen when you get someone that's got blood on their hands and they're just moving around the surface, it doesn't have to be on their hands by the way, but just on their person and they're moving through the scene and the blood is flicking off them which is leaving these cast off patterns. Um, I think I've done some tests before and I've actually left a cast off pattern as my hand had blood on it but I reached up to grab a door handle and I left this cast off stain on the back of the door as my hand was leading up to this door handle. So you can quite simply have a cast off pattern but it's not necessarily through a violent act. So again this is really really crucial that a crime scene investigator or BPA expert will have this understanding 
that not everything that you see is through a violent act, just movements through a crime scene. Um, going back to cast off, what we would normally see is if you've got multiple blows into blood, um, your first blow that you make is not necessarily going to leave a cast off stain because your victim may not be bleeding at the time. So that first blow is going to what's going to cause that blood to then form on that person. And then it's the second blow is when your weapon will collect that blood from that person and then you'll see start to see cast off patterns. So when you've got someone that's been struck multiple times, if you've got say five cast off patterns, then I know that they've been struck at least six times if you see what I mean because you've got this first blow that is then going to cause the injury to form that blood um, so those are kind of like some main uh, spatter um, stains that you would see uh, another one uh, is an arterial bleed or a projected pattern now arterial bleeds um, they can look quite sinister at crime scenes because your arteries are almost like your motorways or your highways uh, that take m the most amount of blood around your body um, and this is why whenever you say sever an artery or break an artery there can be a lot of blood that is then left at a crime scene and your arteries are um, under pressure from the heart so the heart is pumping these these arteries and you, you may have seen this um, on say documentaries or something whenever you get an arterial bleed it will tend to squirt out um, but it will squirt and then as the heart contracts the blood will kind of lessen and then the heart will pump again and then the squirt becomes say more more prominent and then what you'll tend to find at a crime scene is you get this kind of wavy pattern where you um, you've got the blood uh, the blood that has kind of ejected at full pressure from the heart and then the heart will drop and then full pressure and then the heart will drop so as I'm talking I'm, wa I'm waving my finger up and down it's, it's helping me visualize it so these can be quite sinister looking stains at uh, crime scenes now we move on to the passive category so passive um, quite simply uh, the most common stain that you'll see is a drip so a single drip that has fallen from your subject to the ground leaving that spherical shape it's uh, yeah it's just traveled no no force at all it's gone uh, downwards uh, gravity has sort of induced it pulled it to the earth and it's there been deposited on your on your floor so then what you'll tend to find uh, is if someone is passively bleeding they're moving through your crime scene then you're going to have perhaps a drip trail so a drip trail is basically a succession of drip um, stains that will uh, that will travel throughout your crime scene and then you'll be able to see exactly where that, that person has gone. You might also have what's called a drip pattern where you get blood into blood. So blood is just dripping into blood and, and that kind of tells you that your subject, whoever is passively bleeding, has stopped within a scene. Now I've done this and seen this at um, scenes where someone has stopped because they've gone to get their landline phone. The landline phone was cordless so we found the cradle at the scene where the phone should be and we found a drip pattern 
where they've stopped to pick up that phone and then we followed this drip trail within the scene and then found another drip pattern where that person has stopped and then next to it was the phone so you could see here that they were stopped um, to get the phone to pick it up to make the call to try and get help um, so this kind of these stains so your drip trail your drip pattern will help formulate exactly kind of what this person has done whilst they were in that panic of, of being that victim um, you also have uh, other stains like pooling so if someone is knocked unconscious and they're on the floor or if they're unable to get up they're sort of incapacitated in any way it may be that they're bleeding out um, and that's when you'll start to form they'll start to form like a big a big pool around them of blood um, that is a passive stain because again there's no force that is being used to produce that stain it's just the blood is just coming out of them um, what you also have in the passive category is what's called a flow pattern so a flow pattern could quite simply be your blood has deposited on a surface and that surface is at an angle so the blood is going to kind of run down um, towards say gravity towards the floor um, I was at a scene where it was deemed suspicious uh, the person had a bloodied nose um, and I was help I, I was able to help suggest why the the crime wasn't suspicious why it could have just been an accident and one of the factors one of the many factors around it so don't think that this is the only reason why but I analyzed the blood that was coming out of their nose um, the they were on their back so their their face was pointing upwards towards the sky um, and they had blood coming out of their nose and it was coming out of their nose and running straight down their cheeks so it wasn't going towards their mouth it was coming down towards their cheeks towards their ears and then running towards the floor so what could we determine from this where well, it showed it told me that the person's nose had started bleeding whilst they were on the floor because if they were stood upright then the blood would have flowed down their face towards their mouth and towards their chin but because the blood was going down their cheeks and towards their ears it suggested to me that actually the blood had started when they'd hit the floor so this was one of the one of the many reasons why um this this death was was deemed non-suspicious but it played a part as well and it was another contributing factor as to as to what had occurred and this is what bloodstain pattern analysis will will really benefit from as well is all the other evidence factors that that come out of it it could also be say the the post-mortem results um, th these may sort of help with what you're seeing at a scene so if you know has someone has suffered a particular injury uh, going back to like the arterial bleeds if in your post-mortem results or your autopsy for <laughs> your American listeners um, you you gain that knowledge that an artery an artery has been broken um, then you may then go and find it at the crime scene as to where this this arterial bleed has, has sort of occurred um, it could also be that you've got CCT evidence CCTV evidence um, of what's happened and this can play a part in your in your BPA interpretation and this is why it's so beneficial to think of all the other scenarios that could happen so when you see your bloodstain uh, pattern at your scene 
you've got to determine what could have caused this and the many kind of factors that could have been used to, to cause these these blood stains um, because you don't want to look like an absolute wally if you say <laughs> that uh, you're seeing an arterial bleed on a wall and your victim hasn't got like a an arter artery that's been severed or if you say that someone has been punched at a scene and you can see this because you've got an impact pattern and then you watch the CCTV and person has just stepped in blood and that's where your impact pattern has come from so you too need like I've said before to have that inner argument with yourself it's almost like that devil and angel on your shoulders they need to have an argument with each other as to what evidence <laughs> they think it is um, and then a lot of time if you don't know then you, you just don't know you can say that uh, a stain may be under that spatter category but you're not actually sure if it is expirated or if it's an impact pattern because of the other factors that are playing its part. So now we're going to move on to those transfer patterns. So quite simply the transfer patterns uh, we're going to break down into three subcategories. So you've got uh, contact where a blood bearing um, surface has come into direct contact with a another surface and there's been no movement applied when that um, when the blood touches that surface. So uh, it could quite simply be, I've got blood on my hands, I make contact with a wall, leaving my nice fingerprints in blood. There's been no movement, so I haven't swiped my hands or anything like that. It's just almost made that um, <laughs> that butterfly impression that if you're doing if you're doing painting painting on a paper you get a kind of like direct copy of of one thing and another uh, it could be that your your footwear um, you leave your footwear marks behind this would perhaps be a, an example of a transfer pattern if you are leaving your footwear marks in blood at a crime scene and then I've already said the word you have a swipe pattern so a swipe pattern is when you leave blood behind on a surface but there's movement in your contact so it could be that I've got blood on my hands again, same example, I come into contact with a wall but this time my hand is going to move through um, in motion as I'm touching that wall. So say I'm in a bit of a panic, I'm in a bit of a rush, I'm trying to get up and get away and my hands are moving across this wall. Then what you might see on the wall is these swipe patterns where you've got blood that is moving um, you've got striations, so like lines um, of movement, and it's not completely crystal clear as to what has left that that pattern. Um, so yeah, what I really it's really hard for me to just talk about these without actually showing you a picture. If I show you a picture, this podcast would probably be about five minutes long, uh, where I'm not having to explain it as as deeply. But maybe this is good. Maybe it's good for you to to listen to the kind of theory behind it rather than just seeing it. Um, and I said three stains, so the next stain, other than a swipe, is a wipe pattern. So a wipe pattern is where you've got blood that's already on a, on a surface and your hand or body part or anything moves through that, that pre-existing stain. Now how do you tell these apart from a swipe pattern? They sound like they're going to be quite similar. Well when uh, blood strikes a surface, it's going to start the drying process. 
Now there's lots of factors that could affect how quickly that blood dries. It could be say like temperature in a room, the airflow, the humidity, um, all these all these things play a part um, if it's in direct sunlight. So when it starts its drying process, the kind of thinnest parts of the blood are going to dry first. It's a bit like you know if you've got if you've got a uh, a wet piece of clothing that is absolutely soaking wet, and you've got like part of the same clothing that's actually it, it's a bit thinner, so it's not going to retain a lot of that moisture, then those kind of thinner parts are going to dry first. And it's kind of the same with blood. So the most amount of blood is going to be in that center of the blood stain. So say if we're picturing a spherical blood stain, that immediate center is going to be kind of the thickest point. It's the circumference of that blood stain. If you, uh, if you were to kind of do a cross section of the blood, it would kind of look a bit like a minstrel if you if you know those. I don't sell these, but if if you can picture a galaxy minstrel, uh, if you were to look at that side on, you know it's it's thick in the middle, but then thinner in in the kind of circumference. And it'll be these parts of the blood that tend to dry first. So what you'll get is if you if you wipe through a pattern, like say a spherical blood stain like this, it's going to leave behind that outer ring that is already dried first and this is called skeletonization there's no test at the end of this but I've always remembered this for some reason I don't know quite why but it's called skeletonization where you've you've got this drying process that's already happened you wipe through this blood stain and it leaves this outer ring um, with not a lot of blood in the middle because you've wiped that away um, you may even when you're doing your cleaning you may see this when you've got your, your tea and your coffee stains and stuff like this and or it might be that you've got you know like your your bolognese sauce or something and uh, you you wipe it away and the middle of this of the stain wipes away quite nicely but then you just have to give it a little bit extra work to the outer parts because it's already started that drying process so check it out next time you're doing your cleaning um, for these kind of outer rings that left behind but that is a, a wipe stain and we've kind of covered the three main categories of blood stains now there are a lot more categories that I say haven't really touched upon uh, you've got things like gunshot um, patterns and low and high impact uh, velocity patterns you've also got say insect stains uh, that was a bit of a tongue twister insect stains <laughs> and these are stains that say if you've got a deceased um, you'll get flies swarming around they'll um, suck up blood they like to to f feast on on this um, but they might regurgitate it at a scene um, say like I've found stains like this in the corner like of the ceiling and the wall um, really up high um, and this is just where like the flies will, will conjugate and <laughs> regurgitate their bloods, uh, the blood that they've kind of fe feasted on. In a nutshell, those are the kind of patterns that you would expect to find at crime scenes. And you may be wondering, like, how do we apply this knowledge into cases and into the courtroom and the court process? Uh, what information can we then take from that crime scene and, and how can we present this? Um, so to give you an example, and this is a true example of something that I, I dealt with, and it's probably as simple as it gets when it comes to uh, BPA interpretation. And I'd gone to a 
a burglary scene. It was uh, there was a smashed window. Um, someone had climbed through the window, stolen money out of this safe that they managed to break into, and then exit via the same window. Um, I came in. I did my crime, uh, you know, CSI stuff, uh, as we call it. Uh, found blood that was on this safe, recovered that blood, sent it off, and it identified a a known person that was, I think it was known for burglary, but he was also known to the victim. So he basically burgled his mate's house. I know, great mate, right? And so, already, this person had been in the house before. Legitimately, as a friend, but he had been in the house before. So his argument, when we found his blood, when it came back to him, he said, well, yeah, my blood was there because I got a nosebleed once. My nose was bleeding while I was at his house, and it must have just flicked off me and landed on this safe. And so I was presented with that um, as, say, like his defense as to why it was there. And I looked at this bloodstain that was on a safe, and it was what we would categorize as a transfer stain. So, quite simply, I didn't go back and say, no, the offender is completely wrong, he has got blood on him, he's on his hand, and then put it on, on the safe. I, I did not do that, because that's when you can you know, start tripping up, basically. So what I did was I just kept it short, kept it simple, um, analyzed the stain, and did a picture of the stain in my report, and said, this stain is what we classify as a transfer, uh, as a, it was actually a swipe stain, because you have movement in it, but it was a, a swipe stain when you've got a bloodied object that comes into contact, contact being the key part here, with a non-blood-bearing surface where movement is applied to the blood-bearing object coming into contact. And then after he got that statement, he filed a guilty plea, which, yeah, is always fantastic because it saves the whole court process then. Um, his idea that blood had flicked off him because he got a nosebleed, it had travelled through the air and then struck this safe, that just wasn't what I was seeing at the crime scene because, like I've said, if you if you have blood that flicks and it becomes airborne, forms that spherical shape until it strikes the surface and then you might get say an elliptical or like an oval um, stain. Um, it will also have what we call a tail which points to the direction at which it's traveling. Um, the tails are going to be quite hard for me to describe on this podcast so I suggest you kind of do a bit of research if you're interested in that. But that's what I would expect to find if his blood had traveled through the air and struck the safe which wasn't there. So, yeah, better luck next time, mate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm going to finish now. Um, it's been a really great podcast for me to talk about because like, I'm just so, so passionate about this top topic. It's something that uh, is so incredibly interesting for me to visualize and to come up with different opinions, and, and not different opinions, but different interpretations of why a blood has struck the surface and try and work out why... It is this method and not another method. Um, if you, like me, are really, really interested in this, then what I suggest you do is yeah, either 
pick up some books or go online. Um, I'll give you a few uh, resources here. So I've spoken about Jo Milliton before. She was the one that did my training. Uh, you can catch her website. It's spattered.co.uk. So spattered, S-P-A-T-T-E-R-E-D.co.uk. And she's got um, her website there and she does a lot of training. She'll come into, say, like universities, uh, even professional, say, like police bodies. And do training with them. Um, you've also got Bevel and Gardner. Uh, they've got a book out basically called Bloodstain Pattern Analysis. <laughs> you can't get that wrong. And this is a guide that I refer to quite a lot in my studies. Uh, Bevel and Gardner, uh, two Americans, um, they have really kind of pioneered the, the training in Bloodstain Pattern Analysis. And yeah, they've done some fantastic work there. Another book that I really enjoy and um, she doesn't, oh, how can I put this? Uh, not all people kind of agree with her, with her methods in that, but I think it's a really, really interesting read. And it's Anita Wonder, Bloodstain Pattern Evidence. It's a really good book and it goes into quite a lot of real cases and what she's seen and how she's applied her knowledge and everything. So they are some there's some good resources and of course you've got the internet which is just your oyster uh, when it comes to uh, education basically uh, but again thank you so much if you are listening to this point of the of the podcast thank you so much for sticking with me and and listening to this I really really hope you've enjoyed this one I know I have because yeah it's a subject that I just very close to me and I really enjoy and I love kind of shouting at Dexter CSI and all that when they get it completely wrong <laughs> so uh, you will be able to do that now well done you've gained this knowledge do reach out to me on social media so I'm on Twitter at CSI Chris G surname G which is spelled G-E-E and uh, yeah if you've got any questions regarding this then do drop us a message thank you ever so much again and take care and stay safe This is Crime Scene Investigator Chris G signing off. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe and follow my social media at CSI Chris G. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll see you at the next crime scene. this killer used a sword uh no probably a very sharp knife look at the what? blood look at the patterns it tells a story do you see this big pond of blood right there pond That's of blood the initial stab dexter the male victim was what are you on about right here